the risks of shadow IT and how MSPs can fix them. That is the topic on today's MSP Zone. You are entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Welcome to the MSP Zone. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Uh, today we have a very engaging topic. Shadow IT. What is shadow IT? Where is it coming from? How is it manifesting itself? And particularly, what should MSPs know about shadow IT? And what can MSPs do about shadow IT? Because we all know it's out there. Uh, but the question is, how do you fix the problem? Is it fixable? These are all really good questions, and I'm not going to be able to address them all by myself. Uh, so I uh, reached out to one of our friends up north who is, uh, has done a lot of work, not just with, uh, with this topic, but with MSPs and the channel uh, for many, many decades. And I am talking about none other than our friend Derek Belair from Augment. Derek, welcome uh, to the MSP Zone. Thanks, Charles. Very, uh, very glad to be here. So first of all, you guys are, how are you guys doing up there? It sounds like things are starting to open up and the border's opening up. Uh, things are moving, moving along, it looks like. Yeah, it, it, well, I mean, it, it certainly feels like things are, are moving along. I mean, with the, with the vaccination rate starting to climb, I think the, they're easing some of those, uh, some of those uh, confinements and some of the pressures. But uh, I'll tell you, I am dying, <laughs> absolutely dying to get out of the house and start to travel and and hopefully get to uh, attend some events and see some MSPs. Oh, I, I, uh, I, I'm with you, and I know a couple thousand MSPs that are also right there with you waiting to get out. So um, I'm sure it'll be soon before we realize it. Let's let's jump right in, and and you know we're going to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing at Augment a little bit later on in the program because you know a lot of people remember you you know from the channel days at other companies. So um, you know I want to make sure we save some time at the end for for what you guys are doing at Augment, but maybe start with the basics, which is. Uh, because we have mature MSPs and we have, you know, kind of young startup MSPs and, and people who are you know, actually younger than you and I are, uh, who are just getting into the managed services business. What, how would you define shadow IT? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great question because it's certainly a term that gets, that's certainly gets used a lot. You know, the way that we look at it is, is any, any type of, of access to IT that is unsanctioned, uh, unauthorized or unapproved uh, falls in the category of of shadow IT. So basically, anything that falls outside of the corporately approved stack of technology uh, used by the employees, uh, we we term all of that as shadow IT. All right. So Derek, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. So this remember it's it's me talking. So I love it. But. I want to use Dropbox, but I want to use all these nice little tech gadgets. Uh, we're all working from home. Why shouldn't I be comfortable? As long as I get my stuff done, why isn't it okay for me to just use whatever is available to me on the web, download it, use it? it after all, it's, it's the end result that matters, right or wrong? 
Well, it is, you know, and 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 when, it's funny because when people think of shadow IT, you know, most of the time it has this very negative connotation. You know, these are employees in the shadows using these unapproved apps, you know, potentially maliciously. And the reality is it's it's really not all that malicious. You know, the, the reality, exactly to your point, Charles, is, is people want to get their job done. You know, first and foremost, employees want to be productive. They know they've got a big job to do. They're working remote. They're trying to do what they can. And, and the, the, there's a bit of a lure of, well, why don't I just use this application to, to, you know, help me send out a survey, you know, a survey monkey. I don't want to talk to IT. I don't want to talk to the marketing department. I just want to send a simple survey. Why can't I just sign up, you know, to, to survey monkey and just get that out? Like no harm, no foul. And, and, Really, what's, what we find interesting is is most of the time, what is concerning about shadow IT is, is the lack of visibility. It's not necessarily that, you know, someone like yourself want to be productive and you want to use a tool. It's the fact that it is, you know, the, the IT organization, the MSP, is just unaware of what's being used. And the risk associated with the usage doesn't make its way, you know, to the top. So that un, unknown, you know, usage, while a lot of time it's harmless in nature, it does carry a lot of implication and, and understanding what's being used is really the key here. It's not necessarily restricting, it's it's understanding and, and really shedding light on everything being used. Okay, so it, it's not a malicious uh, shadowy figure who is is actively trying to subvert the organization through the use of shadow IT products, although I suppose there could be some of those out there, but for the most part, it's not that, it's just average good intentioned usage and adoption of these third party solutions that are not approved and lead to bad consequences, but but not because it was intentional. It, it's, an, it's an accidental, unintentional, bad consequence nonetheless. A good way to put it? It's a great way to put it. You know, we've run, you know, over 4,000 scans on, on, on customers network Every time we've discovered, you know, unauthorized use, it's it's very rarely that it's it's again it's this shadowy figure that's trying to you know to steal data. Most of the time, it's like, oh, I wonder why marketing is using, you know, uh, Slack when we standardize on team. What's going on here? What's happening? Once you dig into it and you start to understand, usually there's a very logical, you know, very intelligent answer as to why it's being used. And and what we tell people is is you know the goal here is not to 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 you know, slap people's hands and restrict and, and make things so tight that people can't get their job done. It's really just understanding that if if people are using these apps, it is much better for you to embrace it, understand what it is, understand the impact, secure those applications, and then make the whole the whole stack, you know, something that is that is corporately uh, understood and aware, rather than just putting your head in the sand and assuming that those applications aren't being used and your data is is all in one place when the reality is that's just not the case in this day and age anymore. Okay. So now that we've defined what shadow IT is, let's talk about when it really started to emerge. It definitely was pre-pandemic, but I don't feel like we really took shadow IT seriously, nor did we have real serious conversations around shadow IT until the pandemic hit. What is your take on that issue? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a great point. I would say that whatever was happening from a shadow IT and, and a visibility 
into shadow IT, it 100% got accelerated um, when the pandemic hit. And, and that's really because all of a sudden, everybody got sent home with a corporate laptop or, or, or told to use whatever laptop on whatever network and, and, you know, just get your job done, you know, just be on, you know, be be an employee that wants to solve a problem and let's let's just figure it out. So it really just started to propagate as people just had to solve for a problem, which is now that I'm remote, now that I'm not on the corporate network, and now that I need to keep doing my job, what are the tools that are going to help me? And that's, you're right, that's exactly what happened in this past year and a half. So again, an unintentional uh, a good natured, you know, we're all in this together and we're going to solve this and we're going through difficult times and let's just get it done by whatever means. And now we are post pandemic, most of us, some, some still emerging, but mo a lot of the, the world is, is coming out of it. Um, the perimeter has been eviscerated. I mean, I, I think that this is a, a fairly I mean, it, would you agree that the, the 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 network perimeter is largely gone at this point? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I, I even question if it'll ever come back to the way it was. Why? Uh, so, so I mean, it's important for the listeners. Why do you think that it won't come back as a concept as people are slowly coming back even to the office? Well, so it's it, you know it. What we're seeing is is the the drive to come back to the office has has really shifted from a once this is all done, everybody's going to come back to, you know, we probably need to to accommodate a lot more of a remote workforce uh, because, you know, the the once you remove the need for everybody to be in the office, all of a sudden there is a, a tremendous amount of opportunity that's available to the customer. Now he can start finding employees that are the best possible candidates for the role, regardless of the geography. All of a sudden now you can have a, a workforce that is, you know, very much decentralized, but always productive. You have less infrastructure costs. Maybe you don't need to necessarily just keep beefing up the network and the perimeter, but it does introduce obviously a lot of, of, of other issues and, and other problems. So while in some industries, 100% things will go back to the way it was, you know, when we talk to our MSPs and, and more importantly, when we talk to their customers, Every single one of them that we've talked to, in large part, has said, you know, we really need to rethink this work from home and 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 have a hybrid environment. It's almost like the pendulum swung from everybody had to be in the office. You could have been sick as a dog. You were still dragging your butt into the office, coughing and sneezing the entire time to now maybe, you know, we 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 don't necessarily go that way. Maybe we just we accommodate more of that remote workforce. So I think the accommodation is what's going to make the pendulum swing, but more more to the middle than than left or right. But even even if it and I, I agree with you, I, I personally think that that's that's what we're hearing as well when we talk to the MSPs and non MSPs, right? This is this is larger than the MSP channel. This is global. I mean, companies like Apple and Microsoft and non tech companies are are moving towards what you just articulated. Even if that's where we end up, it's still in a very hybrid one foot in each boat. And that is still going to present that unintentional risk, if I can call it that, of shadow IT rearing its its head and having an impact. Well, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think you know the 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 real challenge is going to be on how MSPs and organization work hand in hand to accommodate that hybrid role. I think the the real challenge is 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 in a hybrid situation when so much energy and so many resources and so much spend was dedicated to securing the perimeter. 
Now that that perimeter only really covers off potentially half of the employees, even three quarters of the employee, you know, what do you do with everybody else that potentially isn't in the office using unsecured network, using local Wi-Fi, using a random laptop? You know, what does that mean? What does security look like when you're not necessarily, when the perimeter is not, you know, your, your last line of defense, where you have those employees that are out there, you know, you need to embrace them. And because, you know, obviously a lot of security risk, a lot of security issues come out of those employees that are not connected and won't connect to the network. Yeah. Uh, so look, we, we've been dancing around this for a while. I, I know a lot of people are out there saying, wow, I, you know, I, I recognize that voice. I, I, Derek Blair, where have I heard that before? <laughs> you, you got, you, you used to be with another company. You're now with Augment. Tell the uninitiated, what does Augment do? What are you guys all about? Sure. So, so, you know, my, my background is, is all in the, in the RMM space. That's, you know, where I got my start in 2000 and it was all around helping, you know, MSPs, you know, really, you know, make the transition from VAR system integrator doing time and material break fix or project-based business and, and evolving towards managed services. Um, you know, we stand, I think, on on the exact same opportunity where all of a sudden now you've got SaaS and cloud and remote and, and you've got these MSPs that are just in the absolute best spot ever to be able to help their customers, you know, really extend their core functionality towards cloud and SaaS. Augment really is is there to to help MSPs capitalize on that. So we you know we're we're a software vendor. We are all about SaaS management. Uh, and when I talk about SaaS management, we're talking everything from discovering what's being used to managing what's being used to securing what's being used and ultimately backing up what's being used. So for us, it's really just extending that traditional RMM functionality as it applied to the network and the infrastructure and the hardware to all of a sudden now starting to use a product like Augment to start to bring into the tent cloud and SaaS and remote. So so it is not a replacement of an existing RMM platform. It is a well, the, as the name suggests, it's 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 an augmentation of it. It's an extension of it. Is that f fair to say? Absolutely, absolutely. As long as the networks are around RMM, you know, and, and and devices are around RMM, is going to be a huge part of that. Same with PSA. What we're basically saying is is you take the next step. You you embrace cloud and SaaS with a product like ours on top of that that stack that's made you so successful for so many years. But but there are. I mean, is it your position that? position that there are gaps with the native legacy RMM platforms where, where they're not getting that visibility into the SaaS ecosystem. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the RMMs have done a phenomenal job at, at doing, you know, all of the things that, that we talked about, you know, they discover what's on the network, they discover the devices, they understand the traffic, they understand the perimeter, you know, they're really looking at the network and, and the, you know, the access to the internet. What we do is we say, you know, take that next step and now, you know, extend the RMM functionality to start to embrace how the employees are using SaaS and cloud, whether or not they're on the network. So it's really just really trying to, to make sure that the MSPs are keeping pace with the technology adoption by their end customers, which is, you know, as we know, the, you know, the, the highest, you know, growth uh, sector of IT is all around SaaS. That's where all of the spend is moving, and and it's and it's happening whether or not the MSP is involved. You know, customers are just signing up to SaaS at a breakneck speed. It is like a gold rush. The problem is, it's unfortunately it's a little bit of the wild west, which is 
you know, MSPs and IT IT professionals are really trying to scratch their head and figure out like, how do I, do I even embrace this? Do I just pretend like it doesn't exist? How do I embrace this? And how does this thing plug into what I already do today with RMM and PSA? You know, Derek, it, it seems to me that in that, you know, the heyday of cloud, right? In that 2009, 2000, right, right after the financial, you know, uh, crisis hit. And then there was like a handful of years, maybe two or three years, 2009, 2010, 11-ish, when cloud became very um, aggressive in, in terms of its its marketing and everyone was discussing it. Looking yep. back now, I, I look at that time and I say, it wasn't that we didn't have RMM and MSPs and technologies capable of this, but we did not do any type of serious work or management of SaaS um, objects, if I can call it a, a SaaS application, an object. Is that a true statement or, I mean? No, it is, it is, you know, and, and if you think of the MSP channel, you know, traditionally the MSP channel has not played a, a real active role at the, at the application layer. You know, if you, if you think of it that way, you know, most of where the MSP's bread and butter have been, have been on the device and the network. And, and I would say the, you know, the infrastructure and, 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 and really the, you know, the inter networking aspect of it, you know, the application layer, whether it was software or, or, you know, or, or anything above that really didn't play a whole lot in there. There was still, you know, people were reselling Microsoft licenses and so on, but there wasn't a whole lot of, of, you know, we're going to drive services on top of software. You know, that was a domain that was very, very specialized and, and it was a domain that was usually left to, to sort of development organization. Everything sort of shifted when all of a sudden these, these applications stopped being local, installed on a local server. Now they started being, you know, in the cloud. Anybody can sign up without asking anybody. So all of a sudden, you know, now the MSP has a decision to make as to whether or not one, you know, do they recognize that this SaaS movement is afoot within their customer base? Number two is, you know, do they see an opportunity to potentially capitalize on it? And then number three is, is how do they want to get involved? You know, I, I love Augment. Obviously, I love everything about it. But there's a lot of ways that MSPs can capitalize on SaaS services. And that's really what we want to we want to help them with. We'd like to think that our product can help them. But regardless of, of how they do it, you know, Gavin and I are, are just strong believer that there is a gold mine of, of opportunity there. And we just want the MSPs to take their piece of it. Yeah. And again, for those of that you remember, right, and if you're new in the managed services space, um, you know, this may be before your time, but I mean, you know, companies like AIMNet Solutions, Seven Space, you know, they don't exist anymore, but they, they I, I'm mentioning this point to distinguish SaaS between application layer managed services, which there are, you're, you're quite right, Derek, a lot of MSPs early on that, that managed applications and they, and they, whether they developed them or they had control over the hosting environment and they were in charge of maintaining that uptime for that application belonging to the customer that's different than SaaS, right I and mean, that's really a very different that's almost legacy uh, old school versus new school SaaS. true absolutely absolutely and it it was interesting because you know a lot of you know i attribute a lot of 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 the work and, and the adoption of SaaS on, on a lot of the work that the MSPs have done in helping the customers say, listen, we're gonna take this software, we're gonna put it you know, on a dedicated piece of hardware, we're gonna put this hardware you know, in a rack somewhere, maybe outside your office, and we're gonna help you you know, access that application without necessarily having to host it internally. I, I truly believe that the MSP community was one of the first to really push 
local software to to a SaaS model. And uh, and it's obviously it took off. Every vendor loved it. Every customer absolutely enjoys the freedom and flexibility of of not having to spend capex but move all of that to opex. The problem is is everything that goes along with it. Unfortunately, the accessing SaaS application is the easiest. Securing it, making sure that it's you know that it's understood, that you understand you know the configuration. All of that is a lot of work, and and that's you know right now not being done by a whole lot of people. So I I don't want to make too many. Yeah, improper uh, analogies here, but you know the the you know marijuana, and they say, well, if you want to cut down on marijuana use, you you got to legalize it, right? You got to you got to decriminalize it so that it's there's no stigma, and then you know you'll have all the negative uh, societal um, issues associated with it will go away. Yeah. I, I can't help but draw some corollaries between BYOD and and SAS management, and you know if if you harken back to the BYOD conversations, I remember a lot of MSPs saying, well, they're going to do it anyway. Why don't we just let them? Are, is that where we are with SAS management is that we're just going to let them do it anyway? But Or are, we, are you talking about something different? No, no, no. And I mean, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, you know, when we talk to customers, most customers that, that we engage with have a, a pretty active sort of SaaS stack, you know, they, they are using it actively and whether they use it exclusively where all their applications are, are hosted, you know, in, in a SaaS model or it's a hybrid, you know, it's there and it's there to stay. You know, really what, what you know, what we're saying is the adoption has happened. The proliferation of SaaS is, you know, and has happened already. Now is the time to really, for most customers, to start to understand what is the implication and the impact of all of that usage. You know, it's hard enough to, to be able to control who's using which application, how frequently, you know, and, and are, do they have all of the, the right security uh, features? You know, did they have uh, multi-factor authentication? Are they using SSO? Do they have, you know, all of the, that, the, that, you know, that password management? Are they doing all the right things? It's hard enough to enforce that on the applications that are corporately approved, Obviously, applications that you didn't even know that your employees are using, you are completely at risk. And and when it comes to SaaS, what what has been really interesting is it's not necessarily the SaaS application themselves that anybody is really concerned about. What people are concerned about is where is the data going? Because all these apps, most of them are designed to share information, store information, you know, uh, and and contain you know, potential private information. If you don't know that your your employees are using SurveyMonkey, then you probably don't know that they're also loading up some of your customers' information in SurveyMonkey. And if you're bound by GDPR and somebody, you know, requests that they want to be forgotten, if you didn't even know that, you know, a handful of employees were using a handful of application and a bunch of the data is in there, you have absolutely no chance as a customer or an MSP to be able to enforce security and policy. So it's it's the understand what's there, embrace it, and then try to shape the usage and, and the pattern by either using policies, by awareness and training, or potentially by just, you know, blocking access and and uh, and controlling it that way. So it's to us it's it's you need to understand what's there before you have any chance of of being able to control or secure it. So I'm an MSP. I'm using a legacy RMM platform. I'm tuning into this episode and I'm saying, "Wow, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of risk, right? To, not just to me. I mean, uh, th- th- so first of all, 
this has an application to the end user customer. Absolutely. I have to think that there's also an application for a tool like Augment within the MSP itself, as the MSPs are dealing with the same evaporation of that corporate network, uh, the perimeter is gone, and the remote you know, hybrid uh, employees, it's an issue for them as well, is it not? It absolutely is. And, and it's the beautiful thing is that's baked into the way that we, we, you know, we, we position, we market this product, which is before you even roll this out to any customer, you know, use it on yourself, see exactly, you know, you know, what you'd like your employees to use, you know, what is corporately approved at, at your MSP, you know, let's, you know, let's put it to the test. Let's see exactly how close you are at guessing the number of applications that you think you're using versus the actual number. We have never had anybody overguess the number. And we've, it's it always, and it's almost without fail, it's always anytime between two to three times the number that they think they're using is the actual usage. So if they think they're using 40, chances are it's 80 plus. And it is wow. always baffling. It's crazy. So, so you are, I mean, and is this, I mean, we're, we're talking about this all under the, the, the kind of the hierarchy of, of SaaS management, but you listed things that go way beyond SaaS management. We're talking about IT, cyber, MSP cybersecurity, downstream cybersecurity, uh, you know, preparedness and readiness. We're talking about uh, protecting data sprawl and creep. I mean, GDPR is certainly impacting, you know, most of the EU member states. But we've got data breach notification laws all throughout Canada and in the United States right now. I mean, that's got to be a huge vulnerability for for shadow IT to you know you you leak out that that company data, it goes missing, and you are responsible for it. But you didn't even know it's gone because you had no idea that that application was even being used by your team. Charles, you're you're absolutely right. You know, when 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 we talk about SaaS and, and security, there really is, I would say, four big four big policies that that you know SaaS is is in direct, you know, sort of contradict one. One is is most regulatory, you know, uh, and or security framework has some sort of a vendor management piece, which is you need with 100% certainty know exactly which vendors you are dealing with. That's it's usually a, a vendor management policy with a control in place of being able to prove. You know, so vendor management was very easy when every you know piece of software had to be bought and there was a license key and a bunch of CDs. But now, you know, it's really, you know, it's whatever people are using. So vendor management policies are a big one that are impacted by this. Uh, information security, data privacy, obviously those two are critical. And because most SaaS applications are designed to host some form of data, you know, or they connect to critical infrastructure. So, so again, to your point, if if you're being asked about a data privacy policy, or or, or even worse, somebody's calling you from Europe saying, "Hey, listen, I, I, you know, you need to get rid of me and your systems. You need to know not with eighty or ninety percent, you know, certainty. You need to know with a hundred percent certainty." exactly where all of our data is like you can't leave it to chance that oh yeah no we forgot about this weird little tool that was being used by these guys oh well you know mea culpa like that's not going to work and then the one you mentioned which is an incredibly important one is incident response you know a big thing that you hear all the time is oh, okay well there's been a breach with a product like and i'll pick on one like let's say there's been a breach with canva um, oh my God, you know, they stole all these user ID and password. Well, thank God we're not using that. Well, the reality is you've got three of your marketing people that use Canva on the daily. They use their corporate email address. 
you know, their office were, uh, email address. They use the same password they used everywhere else. Yep. Next thing you know, you know, these guys, they basically, they steal the user ID, they steal the password, then they start going into Office 365, Google Workspace, Salesforce, and, and they just see, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? So before you know it, you're vulnerable, even though you didn't mean to, and even though, it, you know, none, nothing was done maliciously, the reality is if you don't know what's being used and if you don't know where your data is, you are at significant risk. And, and you know, people are paying, you know, incredibly high prices for, for that oversight or that lack of visibility. All right, so we've we've established what you know what shadow IT is the threat the 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 legitimate threat and the legitimate business practice uh, that that most MSPs are facing. Um, SaaS management as a concept, it's here. Who are we talking about? Right? Is this for every MSP? Is this enterprise, mid market, SMB? Um, who, who's who's at, who's at risk here, and who's right for a tool like an augment? That's a great question. So certainly, you know, this is a tool that we feel is is you know very very well targeted for any MSPs that has a security practice to it that looks after their customers' security in some shape or form. Which let's face it, is it's probably everyone. Nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In this day and age, it's everyone, and and it's really designed to help end user organizations that are heavy users of SaaS. So that could be a very, you know, a, a hundred plus seat organization that has, you know, 30, 40, 50 SaaS application, or it could even be a smaller organization, but that is very like a digitally focused uh, end customer, like a, a marketing agency or, a, a, you know, any type of a, of a high internet usage organization. To be honest, when we set off to do this, we thought, well, it's going to be 100 seats and above, and it's going to be a certain size. And, and the more we do this with hand in hand with our partners, the more we find that there's value across the entire, like from 20 person shop all the way up to thousands and above. Like everybody's got a unique problem when it comes to SaaS. And, and that common problem is security, which is they're all concerned about security, breaches, and data protection. And and to be honest, those are problems that apply to everyone in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that even, even a small MSP who's looking at using this internally, right, they're, they're all going to go through that same litany of questions, which is, all right, here's another tool I need to buy. How do I make money with it? Can you walk yeah. us through real briefly here, outside of the internal benefit of using you know an augment on the MSP's internal network and users there, is there a upsell is there a new revenue stream based off of you know separate from the existing tool sets that the MSPs are using yeah so it's this is the part that that really excites me because there are so many avenues of 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 revenue so the first and the easiest one is 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 SaaS security audits. You know, that is a, a very popular thing right now where organizations know that they have, you know, end user organizations know that they're using SaaS, they know they're heavy users of it, but they really don't have the tools to, to, to see exactly where they stand. So uh, an initial SaaS security audit is the absolute easiest uh, way for an MSP to get their foot in the door. It creates a lot of, of differentiation in the marketplace because so few people are, are using it. And it's also very timely because you know, both uh, I would say the the internal security folks at the company and also anybody that's in finance is really interested to understand like what is it exactly that we're using. The, the security guys are concerned about it, about where's our data. You know, are we using the right tools? The finance team is like, we know we're spending an absolute small fortune on these tools. Who's using this stuff? Are we actually active users? 
So I would say the audit is is the easiest one. Usually the audit will lead you will lead you down the road of uh, of adjusting security policies uh, to embrace SaaS. So, so project. Again, we're talking exactly. So project business, you know, and then it's it's really around the management. And then have you thought about backing up the data? So it it's a wedge to the the data that you get on the discovery is a wedge for you know, embracing the stack, starting to manage it on the customer's behalf, securing it, and and making sure that that you are highly optimized from the tools that you use and the job you're trying to accomplish, along with the number of licenses that you have. So it is it is a a true little, a complete little uh, MSP business, but all geared around SaaS. So the, uh, just so I'm I'm clear, and so the listeners are clear, I, I get the uh, the one off, you know, like a, a you know a quarterly scan, you know, not. I mean, they do it for vulnerability scans, you know, pen testing, you know, kind of follow kind of monthly, quarterly, cyclical, um, repetitive uh, points in time. Different than managed services, is this also a proactive SaaS managed, SaaS managed services model? Is it built that way, I guess, is my question. It is. It is. The, the, the initial, you know, the initial discovery, the initial audit is really just, you know, the, the foot in the door. It usually leads to some project to, to, to adjust the usage or rectify what people are able to use. And then it's an ongoing monitoring because, you know, you put policies in place. Uh, and I'll give you a great example. So the natural tendency is, is to run the scan and then, and then be absolutely floored about the number of application. It's then followed by the, the stages of grief. I don't believe the data. <laughs> then it's like, oh, okay, well, oh my God, we're in trouble. And then it's like despair. And then they go full circle. Then they, they basically, there's a tendency to want to clamp things down. We're going to basically, we're going to restrict access to everything where people are only using what we want them to do. And then what they discover is, is, for a couple of weeks, it looks fantastic until they run the scan again. And then all they did is instead of people now that they can't access Dropbox, you know, these people are, you know, Googling Dropbox alternatives. And then it's like, oh, here's another one. Oh, this one worked. Fantastic. So what we tell people is, is the goal of this is not, you know, to rule the SaaS stack with an iron fist and, and all or nothing. It has to be an embrace. It has to be a, a let's bring it into the tent, let's put policies and education around it, and then let's retest. Has the, the, the behavior changed? Have we curbed the usage? And at some point, the reality is blocking stuff never works. And, and most people have a legitimate need to use the tools they use. You know, we, we, we say Dropbox all the time, and, and it's, it's such an easy one to point to. Well, we're just going to block it. Well, the reality is you can block it, but you probably have a handful of customers that absolutely need to use Dropbox because the customer they're dealing with, that's the only tool they have. So now you start making exceptions, and then before you know it, you're right back to where you were. So, so for us, it's really about helping the MSPs build a strategy for SaaS adoption and SaaS usage that fits where the customer needs to go from a business perspective, but also takes care of them from a productivity or a security or a spend perspective. I mean, Derek, you 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 mentioned so many different uh, one-off project, professional services, ongoing managed services. I mean, just the, the boutique and ultra-critical consultative guidance that the MSPs could be giving their customers on why are their why their users are using those tools? Maybe it's an upsell for other services that the that the you know SaaS products the MSP might themselves resell. I mean, I, it just seems that there's almost limitless um, revenue potential, which is kind of rare these days. I mean, you know, MSPs have been tapped into for so long. It, it's kind of 
interesting to see a product that unearths kind of really genuinely unique new revenue streams. Well, and what's what we found so interesting, and to be honest, that's why I was so excited to get involved in, and start this business, is that this is a movement that doesn't need to be led by the MSP. Like the MSP doesn't need to convince the customer that, oh, you should be moving to SaaS, and by the way, we're going to be the ones to help you. The movement is happening one way or the other. I mean, at the end of the day, there is no customer that says we are 100% local apps and, and local gear. We, you know, people leave their laptops at work. They never take them home. They use the corporate network. Everything's done through a VPN. The reality is the movement is happening. All the MSP needs to do is really step in front of that traffic. And, and the opportunities that you pointed out, they're everywhere from reselling SaaS using like a Pax8 or any of those guys where you can now have a resell where you know, why don't you get involved in, in helping the customer acquire their Salesforce license to how do we deploy it? How do we configure it? How do we manage it? How do we integrate multiple SaaS applications together using integration platforms? You know, how do we secure it? You know, all of those things are just all pockets of, of revenue and it's all revenue that's being spent today by customers. Unfortunately, a lot of it is, is not being spent with the MSP. The customer goes directly to the vendor to acquire the product. Yeah. They deploy it in-house using whoever internally. They find somebody maybe on Upwork to do some light integration. All of that you know, would be much better served by the MSPs doing it because the MSPs is the one that understands what the customer is trying to accomplish. They understand their goals and objectives. They, you know, they're a business partner and a technology partner. So, so for us, all of this revenue is going to flow through an MSP. It's just making sure that the MSP can, can start that journey and start getting involved if they so choose, obviously. Uh, I, it's so, I mean, it, we're not saying you can't use it. We're just saying it's got to be used in the proper way and, and people need to know people, it needs to be managed. Right. And this gets back to the, you know, it's not the cost of it, uh, you know, the procurement it's, it's the ongoing management that will, will get you in the end. And I think that there's ample evidence of that. You know, certainly we've seen cyber, cyber attacks spike, uh, just since the pandemic. And I think a lot of that comes through, through that shadow it, um, you know, attack factor. Uh, Derek, if if an MSP listening to this program wants to engage with you guys, wants to maybe learn a little bit more about the technology you've developed, uh, learn about, you know, kind of these business model, revenue model opportunities, what's the best way for them to uh, to get a hold of you? Well, the absolute easiest way is just to check it us check us out online. So www.augmentwith2ts.com. Or I would say, you know, feel free to send me an email directly, uh, Derek.Belair at augment.com. My email, all of our executive emails are on our website. So I, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but I'd say check us, check out our website. Get a hold of me anytime. I would absolutely love to talk to anybody. And again, in a non-sales pitch way, I just want partners capitalizing on this. If they partner with us, great. If they're not, I'm more than happy to help them. I just feel like you're doing yourself a disservice as an MSP if you're not looking at this and trying to capitalize on this. Yeah. I mean, especially if, if, if it's a tool that actually leads to more revenue and it solves a legitimate problem, you know, what, what's not to like about that? I mean, it's, it's, it's a good win-win. I love it. And and just so in case of those of you who are phonetically challenged, it's A U G M E N T T. Is that did I get that right? That's absolutely correct. All right, A U G M E N T T dot com, augment dot com. Uh, go check them out. And uh, you know, Derek and and the team there have been around for for ages doing this stuff, and so they got a lot of uh, you know 
built-in wisdom that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people actually don't have. So, uh, you know, t- talk to them. Uh, you'll learn a lot. And Derek, thank you very much for coming on to the MSP Zone and sharing uh, uh, your perspective on this. Really, really interesting conversation. Charles, my pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, folks, that's it for today's MSP Zone. Until next time, this is Charles Weaver. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.